Hello, you're listening to Get Mouthy, the podcast from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Michelle Vickers. Join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked in one way or another in the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So today I'm with Sally, who is the girlfriend and agent to an incredible man who went by the name of Stoney. Sally, I want to say first of all, just thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really do appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So I've I've been doing some research and I had heard of Stoney and I had seen his art before, but yeah. I actually didn't realise all of the other stuff that he did as well. So yeah. he lived an incredible life. He was, for our listeners, he was an artist. He'd been a Formula 3 driver, and I know he did a terrible accent, a music producer. He also owns some restaurants. So where did this all start? Where did it all start from? I mean, he's always been an artist, so he grew up in Sicily. One that's been to Sicily knows it's it's quite a sleepy country. Um, And Tony, he's a creative person. So I I say from the age of four, um, he's always sketching, drawing. So he's always been an artist. Yeah. Um, wasn't until sort of his later life where he actually sort of decided he would t- sort of take it seriously and um and paint paint seriously basically but yeah, yeah he he's always been a very big character very spontaneous and like I said to you before anything he put his mind to he would he would do it and he would be successful at it so like you said yeah. he had a huge chain of restaurants um he still has one of his restaurants now that's been going 25 years um, former three driver, music producer, but in, anything he put his mind to, he would be successful at. Wow. So yeah. I, I heard, I read as well that he had, I'm particularly interested in this because my son has a, 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 a level of autism, but he also had autism and dyslexia, which, yeah. how did that sort of affect his work and what he did? Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of people, if anyone knows anyone with autism or something along those lines, they're always very creative people. Yeah. Um, I first met Tony um, nine years ago. You, you could tell he was on the spectrum, but he was never like properly diagnosed. Um, yeah. When we met his oncologist, he was like, So when were you diagnosed? And he's like, Oh, okay. So yeah. Um, yeah, he was always on the spectrum, but I think it was just, he, he was very OCD, you know, mm-hmm. everything perfect. And I think that sort of contributed towards, you know, if he put yeah. his mind to do it. Something. Yeah. But I think you, tell when people have sort of traits a bit but and I but I think they're they're amazing people yeah uh, and just like very creative e- everything he did was creative and yeah. you know physical if that makes sense so for listeners who aren't familiar with his artwork yeah um can you sort of dis- can you describe what it's like and what his style is and his sort of themes are yeah um so he 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 liked to call himself a street artist. So he was very influenced by uh, Basquiat, Banksy. Um, but his art was basically his life on canvas. So if you've yeah. seen it, you, you could yeah. tell what a day he was having by just looking and reading the painting that you're looking at. Yeah. Was, he was obviously influenced by those artists, but he was just influenced by himself and his life yeah. and what he was going through that day. Yeah, because um, some of them look like they're almost like sort of diaries aren't they they're kind of like it's, it's almost like you can like you say he's actually saying on there things that he's sort of random things but about how he's feeling yeah absolutely but I think 
where the dyslexia, the autism comes in, he, he did struggle to sort of communicate how he was feeling sometimes. So I think yeah. things were a great outlet for him, especially when he was diagnosed. Um, yeah. Really struggled. So the painting was just his release. Yeah. Yeah. And so when was he, He, I mean, we're talking because um, sadly Stoney um, was diagnosed with a, with a brain tumour. And when, when did that happen? And how, how did that impact on his work? Um, so he was diagnosed in February 2019. Um, and I mean, he, he always said it had, obviously it was, it was a negative thing that happened to him, but it had a positive impact on his work. And yeah. he, he liked to, you know, he did a piece that said autism is my superpower. Yeah, so he saw that. To other people, you know, although we're going through this terrible thing, you know, we have to crack on, we have to be strong, we have to influence and, you know, egg each other on to just keep going. So although mm. it was a negative thing that happened, he just turned it into a positive thing to sort of help himself, but to sort of influence and help other people as well. Yeah. And can I just ask, how did his diagnosis affect you? Um, I think because of the person that he obviously affected me massively and changed our whole life. But I think because of the person he was, we just carried on, you know, yeah. we wanted to carry on. And I think because because of the type of tumour that he was diagnosed with, you, you do you don't get a long prognosis. So he yeah. wanted to live the best life he could for the time yeah. that he had. So in the beginning, it didn't really feel real because we just sort of carried on. Yeah. Um, we changed some of the things that we did and our diet changed and everything like that. But in the beginning, it was it was hard, but he made it easy. Just yeah. Oh, wow. Was, which is amazing because yeah. you know, I would have just, if it was me, I would have just fallen apart. Mm. But that just sort of shows you his character and his personality. Yeah. yeah, so I should say he was diagnosed with a, a blastoma and it was a stage four, wasn't it, when he got yeah. diagnosed? Did he have like symptoms or anything that he talked about to you beforehand? Like how did he, how did you, why did you go to the doctor? What what happened? Well, I mean, I, I could tell he was unwell about six months before just because he was never ill, never had a cold, nothing. And he just, he was just a bit pale. Um, and the, the GP thought he had gout because when he would paint he couldn't hold the pen or the paintbrush properly and he'd have really sort of in his hands and feet really just achy sore hands and feet mm. and they out but I was like that's not right um but I'm not a doctor I have no idea and then um the only reason we knew he had a brain tumor was he had a seizure one morning wow. um and I thought he was having a heart attack or a stroke so obviously went straight to the stroke the ambulance took him to the stroke unit and that's when they did the scan and saw he had a brain tumor wow and I read as well that his did his his father had this as well didn't he didn't his father have the same thing wow yeah. he got diagnosed in 2007 um wow. he only lived 18 months um but it's not hereditary it's not genetic yeah one of those God. coincidences yeah, but I guess as well that kind of he, I suppose then he knew what was ahead of him. He knew the journey that was ahead of him. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, mm. when his dad was diagnosed until when Tony was, obviously there's been a lot more progression with medicines and treatment. So it was quite different, but he knew about the tumour and what the tumour, how it grows, what it does. 
yeah. um, treatments were different. But yeah, just a weird coincidence. Yeah, wow. And did he just work all the way through his treatment? And did he have what treatment did he have? So standard treatment is obviously surgery initially, if you can obviously have surgery. Um, then he did six weeks of radiotherapy um, and then quite a few courses of chemotherapy. Mm. Um, he he carried on, obviously, work running his restaurant, painting. I mean, obviously, sometimes during treatment, he wouldn't feel good naturally, but he he just powered through. Mm. Yeah. Wow, he sounds amazing. absolutely amazing. Yeah. So what happened and, and ha- how did the end come? Were you there and... If you don't mind me asking yeah, of course um so he with his first surgery they took out all of the tumor that they could which was brilliant they can mm. never take just because it's your brain is quite a sensitive place um so that was great so we had quite a long stint where we had clear scans clear scans clear scans and then um january 2021 um within two months he'd grown a tumor that was bigger than his initial tumor so this cancer mm-hmm. so it can grow two percent in a day so wow. and they say when you have a reoccurrence you have about six months um but tony obviously lived another year and a half <laughs> being him um but yeah he he was through his whole prognosis he was really well and i think that does a lot of that is because of his mindset and just him being a positive person but I think yeah. you do point where you think you know what? this is a lot like this is enough like he had so much treatment so many different treatments you know we were a while which he hated because obviously he's a foodie mm-hmm. you know so I think um he got really unwell in about February this year and just in sort of from February he just sort of I think he probably in himself thought it's enough yeah. You know, um, and he didn't want to go into a hospice. He wanted to stay at home, so I kept him at home. Yeah, uh, which was re- I. I really I wanted to keep him. If I could, I wanted to keep him at home because I thought it's nicer. You know, you go into a hospital, I'm not going to come out. Mm. So keep him at home. Um, yeah, and he passed away at home with us um, and his whole family. Wow. And how how's that been for you, Sally? How is it? Is there was there some sort of because you knew it was coming, it was, you know, like you could see that this was going to come. I don't yeah. suppose it makes it any easier, but uh, in terms of grief, but does it make the process a bit easier? I I mean, I've dealt with this so different to what I thought I would. I think, mm. you, you know, it's coming, but it doesn't, doesn't help in sort of accepting it. I don't think I've accepted it even now. I sort mm. of think, oh, also, I know that he's not here, but I don't, I can't process it. It's really hard to explain. Um, but I knew when it happened, I knew that was the right time because he was really suffering. And just for the person that he is, I mean, he was totally paralyzed. He couldn't talk, he couldn't feed himself, you know. And I was like, that is not what he would want for mm. himself. And he wouldn't want that for me either. So I knew that when he passed away, that it was the right thing but it doesn't help with processing or, you know, thinking that actually that is the right thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird thing to process, but I think if anyone's lost anyone, I think everyone's sort of process of, you know, grieving is different. Yeah. And, but sort of me 
having and the whole family sort of having his art to look at and read and me doing things like this with you and you know the exhibitions that we've got lined up for him I think that does help because it sort of keeps you in contact with him yeah it was lovely because a lot of people just wouldn't have that yeah so his sort of legacy so what are your plans for like his work now and you, you mentioned about some exhibitions and everything so yeah what, what what have you got coming up or what's going on yes yeah, so we've got some really exciting bits coming up so we've been working really closely um for getting on two years now um with some galleries in london grave gallery and Qantas gallery and um, so we have an, an exhibition on the 2nd of november um alongside the brain tumor charity um obviously to sort of so people can see Tony's art but we we're really um hot on and keen to raise money and awareness for the charity yeah and just a big celebration for Tony really um and the gallery have been brilliant so it will be at Qantas Gallery which is in London um which is an amazing space so I think that all it would really do is, is art justice um so where can people find out about this, Sally? Because you said it's on the 2nd of November and it's at the Qantas Gallery. Where yeah, can people find out about it? Um, so um, Qantas Gallery, I, I can send you the information, but it's at yeah. Qantas Gallery on their website. Um, yeah. You need to sort of get, get in contact so we can put you on the guest list because it's quite an exclusive event. Yeah. It sounds really exciting, Sally, and it it's so wonderful for him to have that legacy. And like you say, that you've got these things that you can you can still almost hear his voice I guess because you can see it you can see it in yeah. the art you know so it's like very much like him having that him having him there so Absolutely. I thank you thank you so much for talking to us Ellie. it's been it's been actually really interesting it's it's not a subject we've sort of covered before that yeah. the whole art thing as well but also the impact of someone knowing um when the yeah, the end is going to come sort of thing it's not something that we've ever spoken about before and yeah. I, I really appreciate your your honesty um with it and sharing that with us no you're welcome thank you so much for having me on for information support and advice including how to check your own mouth Look up hncf.org.uk or follow us on socials, search HNCF.